Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 128. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. One of the reasons why my guests are successful is because they invest in themselves and they do it by reading. If you don't have the time to read, why don't you try audiobooks? Get your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Ed Doyle. Ed, are you feeling unstoppable today? Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) All right, let me just give a quick introduction, Ed, and then I'll pass it over to you to learn more. Culinary Institute of America graduate Ed Doyle has over 30 years' experience in the hospitality industry. Uh, During his tenure at Boston's Aurora, it was named one of the best new restaurants in the United States. His passion for restaurant operations led him to form the Real Food Consulting uh, Group, uh, where he makes the the restaurant dreams of his clients into reality. Ed has been featured in Food and Wine, Restaurant Business, and Food Arts Magazine. Ed, this is just an aerial view of who you are and what you're all about, and I'm so pumped to have you here. Thank you for joining us. So, I guess tell us tell us when you knew that this industry was going to be more than just a job in your career. Can you think of a moment where it just it was clear to you? Well, I mean, there's two sides of it. I mean, it's the hospitality side of it. You know, I've been in the business since I was a kid. I started out washing dishes just because I wanted to make a little bit of money, and I hated washing dishes. Mm -hmm. I begged my way into the kitchen and immediately fell in love with the business. So, I mean, I was 18 and 19, and I knew this was going to be my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's how it is for most people in the restaurant now, business. You're either what, what, early on or, or you're in for the long haul. What did it for you, though? What was it that made you just immediately fall in love? Oh, man, it, it's the passion for it. It's the people. You know, it's the land of the misfit toys for sure. But it's certainly um, people that are in this business for the most part really love what they do and they love connecting with people. And, you know, in front of somebody and you can immediately tell whether they liked it or not. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing feedback. And I'll tell you, if, if you sit in the kitchen and work on a Friday night, Saturday night, and you sit on the cliff overlooking the abyss and you can manage to get through a busy night, and, you know, that's just a, that's just a rush you just can't wait to get back to. So it's, yeah. uh, it's a highly addictive world. I love it, and uh, I'm excited to have you on the show because uh, I was researching uh, potential people to have in the guests, and I, I came across F- Real Food Consulting, and I started looking at your client list, and I mean, some of the people you're working with, Joanne Chang, Tony Maz, Garrett Harker, Andy Husbands, these are the people, past and future guests, people I'm hoping to get on the show, and people I've had on the show, that I go to for advice, and they go to you for advice. Um, in yeah, we're lucky, we're very yeah. lucky. So, I mean, I cannot yeah. wait to find out and to learn you know, what you have to share with us today. Um, I mean, so I already mentioned you went to the Culinary Institute of America. Uh, what, I mean, what steps did you take to kind of get into consulting? Uh, I know you... Well, you know, I, ne- I never really had a career path to go to consulting. You know, what I had a career path was to just find places. I've always said to people, you know, you don't look for a job, you look for your next job. You know, you, you find the job you want and you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that was really always my approach. And I was lucky enough to work for some great chefs who committed to me and committed to, you know, helping me learn and be a better culinarian. And, and as I get further on, a better manager. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, I think there's a lot of great cooks out there, um, but there's not a lot of great chefs. So, you know, to be able to have the business acumen to go along with the culinary skills is really um, what I think made my career different than many people's. And, you know, being able to be in honestly the right place at the right time and find some of the opportunities that gave me an education in, you know, food and, food and beverage that set me up for a place where I was ready to go out on my own, frankly. And when I was going out on my own, I was undertaking a very audacious project on the waterfront in Boston that we knew was going to be a permitting and legal nightmare so i started doing like many guys do just did some freelance consulting work and worked on that project for about two years and finally gave up and you know in somewhat a level of disappointment that i you know put a lot of time and a lot of effort a lot of money into a project but at the end of the day i stood back and said you know there's some pretty exciting uh, opportunity in the consulting world was that the the project you put fifty thousand dollars into yeah, that was the one. Was yeah, oh man, I uh, I'm sure maybe we'll tap into that later, but I can only imagine what that you know how that must have felt to have to give up on something that you put so much time, energy, money, everything into. But uh, I'm For sure, sure it For will sure. all come out. I'm sure. And um, all right, I mean, I feel like we're we've gotten to know you. We have your backstory. We we know who you're working with, what you're doing. It's all great stuff. Um, I think it's time for you to hit us with a motivational, inspirational quote or mantra, something that you live by, something that you would like to share with us today to get going. For me, at the end of the day, I'm lucky enough to have a job that I love. And as I frequently say to people, if you're doing something that you don't love, why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm lucky enough to come to work and even, you know, there are days when I want to kill everybody in the room for sure. But, you know, at the end of the day, I love what I do and I love working with new challenges and new clients. So, you know, find a job you love and find a job that challenges every day. And, you know, it never feels like work. Yeah, and I have a kind of a unique question for you. Um, what would you say the job of a consultant is? And I'm not talking about the logistics. I'm sure. talking about, yeah. like, what is, like, people in the restaurant industry, we cook, we create an experience. So what are you trying to create? Well, I mean, I think the number one thing we're trying to do is create resources. You know, we, we don't have all the answers. Um, we may have a few more questions than most people just because we've been exposed to so much different stuff. But, you know, what we're here to do is provide outside resources that you may not have within your team or, or have the capacity to utilize within your team yeah. and really to, to provide a broader spectrum of experiences than you might have in your world. Because, look, fine dining guys, they play in the fine dining world. Yeah. Quick service guys play in the quick service world. Mm-hmm. We're, we work in all of those worlds. So to be able to go to Tony Moss or – Tim Maslow and say, look, this is this really cool thing that they're doing in the fast, fast casual world that is applicable here that you need to know about mm-hmm. uh, is incredibly powerful. Awesome. So. And um, uh, you are quoted to say, I strive to exceed the expectations of every client in order to make their dreams of opening a restaurant into reality. Would it be too far to say that your job is to provide the experience of creating that dream? Yeah, I, I think we play a little part in it. You know, I, I think Every client has different skill sets and different resources. Um, we try to fill in the gaps, and we also try to be, you know, sometimes the voice of reason. You know, yeah. sometimes just stand in the forest, you can't see the trees, yeah. or vice versa. Um, and we do both. Awesome. So, you know, having that ability to come in and say, look, you know, we're a, shall we say, disinterested party, um, and we can look at things objectively, sometimes more than highly passionate, highly driven hospitality um, people are. Awesome. I love it. I just wanted to share that little quote because I felt like that was motivational. I thought it was a good time just to throw that in there. And now I think it's time, you know, to get your it factors, Ed. And basically what I'm looking at is if you could narrow it down to some of your habits, some of the characteristics you possess that you think most contribute to your success as a hospitality 
vegetarian or you know a, a successful restaurant professional what would it be i think at the end of the day you know in the restaurant world we're trying to create just a little bit of magic for our customers you know mm-hmm. for the guests that come in create a time where they can share a special moment you know when i was a younger chef i would think it was all about i'd say it's all about you know food and those the food you know the, what's going on the plate mm-hmm. that's really not what it is you know it, it's putting together all the pieces for an amazing hospitality experience that people can really enjoy relax and share some time with the people that they're dining with um you know and we take that to every project that we do you know whether we're designing a kitchen or trying to figure out what's wrong with your p l or helping you negotiate your next piece you know, understanding where you're trying to get to and the experience that you're trying to deliver, um, we put on our you know long glasses and pull out our crystal ball and and, and try to figure out how to help you lay a path to that point in the distance. So yeah. I think one of the most important things we do is listen to clients and understand what they're trying to do. At the end of the day, we're not building our restaurant; we're doing theirs. Um, so, you know, as a consultant, I think too many people come into projects with uh, packaged solutions and we don't do that you know every one of our projects is is different every one of our projects is like a snowflake so you can we don't take things off the shelf and say here's the standard solution you know we listen and understand and, and really try to assess and you know that's sometimes what the client tells us isn't necessarily what's going on in a place so to be mm-hmm. able to read between the lines and understand what the real uh, root of the success or challenges is is um, a big part of our job Mm-hmm. So I feel like you're talking to real foods and you know what it is about real foods. But what about you on a, <clears throat> a more personal level? Because I mean, you did have some great success as a restaurant professional, getting into it, working, getting into like the what, what's the word I'm looking for? The you know like I'm having a brain fart. Right? I, look, I was lucky enough to work in great places with great chefs. Yeah, you know, and I think part of that is because I'm stubborn. Yeah, um, I have a great balance of being stubborn and arrogant. You know, I either think I can do it or know I can do it. And, uh, that's gonna that's gonna carry carry me pretty far. Yeah, uh, think... You know, some people sure I'm sure some people it rubs the wrong way, but you know, once I get my teeth into something, I'm not gonna give up on it. I'm gonna use the word tenacity. That's what I'm like. I mean, you just you, that word stubborn. I mean, like you just don't give up and you have your mission and you're gonna you know be the last person standing. And I think that tenacity is incredibly important. Um, awesome stuff. Like you say, this isn't. Uh, a career, it's a lifestyle. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're getting across to us right now. Awesome stuff. So if you could take a specific moment in time where these if factors, maybe your, your tenacity, where it really shown through, can you reflect on a, a specific story where, you know, take us to the moment of how that tenacity helped you get to that next level? Yeah, I, I think we find so many people that um, love it when the conversation starts out with, you know, oh, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't get out of here. You can't figure out that's not going to work. You know, and that for me, that's that's a, that's an opportunity. That's a place to really make a difference. And so, like, something somebody's trying to do that other people haven't figured out how to do. You know, recently we did a project here in Boston, incredibly difficult layout, incredibly difficult base building, and most people, I think, would have looked at that project and said, "Wow, this is just not going to work." And you know, we worked with the client, worked with the chef, and worked with the general contractor and the architects, and really wrestled our way through the project. And it was a pain in the butt. And um, but the end result was fantastic. So, you know, it, it's for us, it's a matter of, you know, not necessarily taking the easy path. Again, not going back to those, oh, yeah, we've designed this kitchen before. That's not how we approach anything. That's not how I approach anything. You've got to bring all your experience and all your expertise and all your effort to every project. You know, in those specific situations when it's going to be difficult, that, that's usually when we look our best. I mean, what I want to take away from this story, Ed, is that many times – 
people in general, they look at a, a, a hurdle and they say, there's no way I'm going to make it over that. And they instantly just shut off their brain. And as soon as you admit defeat, you're unable to you're get done. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But what you do is you say, you know, you don't say, I can't do this. You say, how can I do it? And that's when your creative juices start flowing and you really tap into, you know, the possibilities. And I think that's one thing we can all take away from that story is don't cut yourself short. You know, just ask yourself, how is this possible? Um, right. Great that should stuff. be the starting point, not the end. Of the end I love point. it. Awesome. So you told us about your if factor and how you've applied this if factor to a point where you were successful. Now tell us about a time maybe you failed into, you know, personally at something, or maybe you saw uh, something one of your clients did where they came up short, you know, not mentioning any names, but you know, what, sure. tell us about this failure and what you learned from it. You know, I, one of the things it's always hard you're in the fray, but when you're looking back on a career, you can identify those moments that, you know, if I only, if I did, if I had. And, you know, as I think back to my early days as a manager, I remember when I went into my first um, union job as a manager. I was young. And I mean, I was lucky enough to move my career along pretty quickly. So I was, you know, managing people who had been in their job longer uh, than I had been alive. And so um, it was it was an interesting situation to be fully under-equipped on my management skills and having had work for some chefs that were pretty poor managers in their own right, you know, great culinarians, but, you know, they and flipped out and did stuff that, you know, is really not going to fly in a structured, um, high-end hotel environment with union employee base. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, I failed woefully for the first year until I learned how to retool my skill, skill sets and really understand how to be a better manager and not replicate the bad behavior I've seen in the past, but to really use my head and see what's working and, uh, you know, take a different path. So, you know, sometimes you've got to figure stuff out from yourself, especially if you haven't had people who have necessarily shown you the right path. But, you know, I was lucky enough to not only learn great stuff from people, but also learn a lot of stuff what not to do, and that's just as valuable. Mm, absolutely. You said you failed as a manager and you had some shortcomings as a manager. What exactly were those shortcomings? Oh, man, you know, I you know, you're young, you're passionate, you're mm-hmm. impatient, you you know, you don't know how to handle situations, you're reactive. Um, you know, and, and that used to be what a chef was, right? You flipped out, you threw plates, you did shit like that. I mean, so, that's not what I would even consider someone who's a suitable cook, never mind a suitable chef at, these, at this point. Mm-hmm. So you said you were um, very reactive. Would you say now you take a much more proactive approach? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, look... As you get older, you get more patient. You understand that you know I need to solve every problem right this second, so you can step back and be more thoughtful, be more pensive, and include other people in the conversation. Um, you know, when you're younger, everything you know everything looks like uh, when your only tool is a hammer, it looks like a nail. So. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that, but it's it's so true. And I think one of the things that comes up often on the show is when people mature uh, professionally, they realize that you know sometimes they have to be more. Uh, they have to look inward and say, maybe the problem is not with the the nail, but with the hammer, and maybe I need. To you got it. it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, uh, that, that, you, know, you can drive a screw in, but it's not the right way to do it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Great stuff. All right, so uh, we busted through the first half of the interview. The second half is much quicker. Uh, it's a speed round where you're just going to drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge on us. Are you ready? Got it. All right, cool. So, all right, my first question for you is what advice do you have for funding a restaurant and getting that initial capital? Friends, families, and fools. 
And is there a reason why you didn't list banks? Yeah, banks are really tough in your first restaurant. I mean, SBA is probably I think, a small business administration underwrites a lot of restaurant loans. Mm-hmm. But when you're just starting out, you got to get it where you can get it. We have a lot of people doing crowdsourcing. It's a matter of scale. If you're trying to do a small joint, you know, you can probably pull it together. If you're trying to do a $3 million restaurant, you're going to need some deeper resources. So it's all, you know, it varies by project. But most, the, the, the basis of every restaurant, first restaurant project is seriously friends and family. Friends, families, and fools, the triple F. And uh, I think another thing that's worth mentioning there, too, is a lot of people, they say, you know, their advice in this question is you have to, you know, go to people who are investing in you personally. And um, when you go to friends, family, and fools, they're not investing. They're looking, they have to have faith in you and what you're doing. And they have to be able to resonate with your vision and what who you are as a person. And I think that's a big part of it, too. What would you say? I would agree. I would agree. It's, it's not, you know, what you're going to do. It's the fact that you are the person doing it. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. All right, so what advice do you give your clients um, about hiring? Because, I mean, you don't just, you know, help them get started. You give them training advice, and I'm sure a big part of that training is, you know, helping them find or, you know, telling sure. them who to look for. So what advice do you have? Number one thing, which took me a long time to, to learn when I was a young guy interviewing people, shut up. Mm-hmm. Ask a question and make people talk. Listen to where the conversations go. And I think the most second most important thing that we see people fall down on is, for God's sakes, check references. Mm-hmm. So many people don't check references. You know, this is the restaurant business. Everybody's worked with, worked for, slept with, or fired somebody. So, you know, about four phone calls, you should be able to find somebody, uh, something about the guy you're talking to. Mm-hmm. So really, really important, and too many people don't do that. Now, you say, when you say listen, is there anything in particular you're listening for or a question that you're asking to really get – something that you're trying to hear yeah i mean look at the end of the day i can teach anybody how to do the task i'm trying to tease out personality mindset attitude approach commitment you know th- those things that are far more ethereal mm-hmm. so if you, if you can get those as part of the interview that's really where you need to go i can teach anybody how to saute mm-hmm. i can't um, teach you how to be passionate i can't teach you how to be reliable and honest so you're really those are the personality traits you use you're really trying to pick up on so it's it one, not only happens by letting the conversation roam. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So I mean, it's one thing to you know find these people, but once you find them, it's really hard, especially in the restaurant industry and retail in general. Like, how do you keep them on your team once you get them on your team? Great, great point. Number one is building culture. You know, you, you got to get everybody in the team understanding how they're successful, what you're trying to do, um, and getting them all pulling in the same direction because then they support each other. Uh, I think the second thing is remember the people. Most people don't quit a job for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to take home more than a paycheck. They want to feel successful. They want to feel like they're learning. They want to feel rewarded and thanked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, that's a place we fall down in the restaurant business. And I think, honestly, in the restaurant business, we chronically underpay people. Mm-hmm. You know, traditionally, we throw people at a problem. So because we're going to throw more people at a problem, we need to pay them, you know, what I'd call, you know, a pretty low wage. I and mean, we still see restaurants paying the same thing I was getting paid 25 years ago. And it's, not, it's not acceptable if we're trying to get the best people out there. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to get people that aren't traditionally restaurant people to come into the restaurant world, we need to figure out a way to make a career path that's going to be rewarding, beneficial, financially stable, um, and have quality of life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple of those things the restaurant business isn't too famous for. 
Yeah. So, and, you know, we need to kind of think about, think a little more about how we treat people. Yeah, you're doing a lot of talking about feeding those higher needs like happiness, like belonging, like rewarding and all those things. And how do you recommend rewarding? Is there any kind of program you know of where somebody, you know, incentives that some you've seen some people offer there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Can you give us for an example? Sure. I mean, it, Typically, it depends on the level. As you get up into the salaried employees, it's certainly easy to build a structured compensation program where, you know, behavior is rewarded financially or, you know, there's other ways to reward people, additional time off, flex time, things like that. Uh, you know, as, you, as you're dealing with staff, it's, it gets a little, you know, you, don't want, you can't really start paying out. You know, you do see some people pay out creative bonus packages across the board. Um, but, you know, you're trying to drive individual behavior. And I think, you know, that's a lot of communication. That's a lot of feedback that's giving people reviews and sitting down with people and giving them the time of day. And it's engaging, you know, it's making sure that, you know, you're the owner of the restaurant, that your chefs and sous chefs are out there talking to the staff, saying thank you, helping them be successful. Um, you know, those are the things that people really like to come to work uh, and do. Awesome. So great stuff. Build that culture. I love it, man. All right. So you're clearly a well uh, read person. I mean, you, you, I can tell you're educated. I can tell your, your library at home is probably very big. So, I mean, what's one reference, one book, or maybe two or three, because I feel like you probably have a few up there that are a must read for anybody looking to be successful in this industry, whether it's personal growth or just, uh, I don't know, finance or something along those lines. What do you have for us? That's a great question. You know, I think one of the things that's always challenging in the restaurant business is time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think looking beyond our business to, you know, leaders in other industries um, is an important thing. You know, I'm a big fan of, you know, listening to podcasts and things like that. They're going to make the best use of my time because, you know, typically a restaurant person, what time are you getting home? You know, you're getting home at 2 o'clock in the morning. You're really going to cuddle up with a book by the fire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> how, are you looking be- how are we looking beyond our world to take best practices you know, it's a really dynamic world we're living in right now. So to look at people in technology, look at people in hospitality, obviously, but beyond those worlds to really understand how people are leading and how people are motivating. Because I think that's the basis of everything. Okay. So for me, it's, it's a matter of, you know, really a broad spectrum of information resources. I love that you mentioned podcasts. I mean, is there one podcast that comes to mind that you think is a great listen for a restaurant professional? You know, actually, I, I do this wacky thing. It's called uh, Executive Book Summaries. It's like cliff notes of the best new business books, right? So you get them every month. You download them. They're like they're literally cliff notes of a book. So it's like a 15-minute podcast that summarizes all the key points of the book. It's awesome. But executive of book summaries, that's awesome. And what about an actual book? Is there a, If you could limit it down to maybe one or two books that you would recommend? You know, no. I, I think it's really a matter of, you know, getting a broad spectrum. You know, I think yeah. it's looking at different things. So, um all right, well, I am pumped to check out Executive Book Summaries. That's the first time I've heard of that, and uh, it sounds like a great resource. Thanks for sharing it. So, all right, um, the next question I have for you is on the topic of marketing. If you could just drop one knowledge bomb on marketing for us, what would it be? Be really good at what you do. There's no better of marketing than the people you feed and the committee you're restaurant. You know, everybody's out there trying to get a new customer. That's a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Get the customers you have to talk about you, to come back more frequently. You know, build a flexible space where people want to come and not just for a special occasion dinner. Um, you know, when their family's away and they want a burger at the bar, they're coming to you. When they have a date night, they're coming to you. When they're having a family holiday, they're coming to you because they love the hospitality, the food, quality, the the value. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the best marketing you can get because then that's going to tap you into everybody uh, being a viral source for you. Mm, I love so, it. I conversely, you know, if you suck, 
they're going to tell a lot more people. <laughs> so make it right, and you, you, you won't be talking against the tide. I don't think we need to talk about this anymore. I think you pretty much uh, crushed that answer. Yeah, totally. Uh, I've Yeah, good, good stuff. So, all right, the next question I have for you, Ed. Um, so, I mean, technology is advancing faster than ever before, and a lot of people are apprehensive to adopt new technologies that they can't justify the prices. But what are some of the new technologies that you've seen come into the industry recently, whether it's front of house, back of house, that really is worth investing in, that's something that you can, you know, save time, money, or increase profits with? Is there anything that comes to mind that you want to share with us? Yeah. I think, you know, always the challenge with new technology is what horse are you going to bet on, right? So yeah. everybody comes out with a better mouse trap, and that's great. Everybody jumps on them, but, hey, they weren't funded right, and they're out of business in a year, mm-hmm. and you're back to square one. So, you know, you really got to look at how people are financed and who's behind them. You know, I think um, we're seeing a lot of cool things with data management on the consumer side. You know, Swipely, better point-of-sale systems that are really looking at uh, combining CRM software with um, customer behavior and loyalty. And I think that's awesome stuff. You know, they're your customers. It's your data. You know, how can you dig into your point of sale and look where people are coming from, what they're spending when they get there? Because it really lets you target those customers better. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, I mean, it makes it that knowledge um, that normally you'd have to be there 50 hours you know, a week to just know your, your guests inside and out. So you make them feel like they're unique. But now with this, it, it collects that data. So whether you're a new host person or somebody who's been with the, the restaurant for 15 years who knows all the customers in and out, it's being stored. So now you know everything, too. It's just a great way to communicate uh, that knowledge about your guests. Um, which yeah, is and I think one thing that people do sometimes is they rely on technology too much. Mm-hmm. I, you, know, you mentioned Garrett Harker, right? Yep. So. I remember going over to Eastern Standard and, you know, old school, right? Yep. Garrett actually had was doing training with his staff with photos of their VIP regulars. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Tell me this guy's name. Awesome. Just awesome stuff, right? I'm not flipping yep. through a data file. I'm not trying to figure out who this guy is. He walks through the door. I know who he is. Awesome. So there's got to be a blend of new technology and just best practices. So Great. Great stuff. Things like that are really cool. And, you know, I'll tell you, as you mentioned, Garrett is certainly one of the leaders out there. So Now, what about um, for efficiency? Is there anything that you know of that really just, I mean, I think one of the biggest struggles in this industry, one of the things that really hits people hard is um, time. You don't have the, the most time in the day. So what what do you see out there that's really helping people save time, whether it's scheduling software or, um, I don't know, uh, inventory management software? Is there anything that really has your attention? Yeah, I think, you know, you've certainly seen some new stuff, and I don't think anybody's really broken the mold or, or really come out as the big leader in the scheduling side of things, you know, crossing over, um, you know, gaming and behavioral uh, tracking and really looking at sales tracking and trying to get people to, you know, try, again, drive behavior through scheduling and preferences. Uh, you've seen some cool development there. I don't think anybody's, like, head and antlers above anybody else at this point. Um, it's certainly tapping, tap, tapping into the millennial mindset and you know, getting people to understand that, hey, if I'm better at what I do, I'm going to get a better schedule and make more money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think obviously anything you do to help your productivity and communication within your team. It, certainly, you know, I was talking with somebody the other day. You know, the world has changed from where you needed to have software to now you can have, you know, SAS and, and be living in the cloud. So, you know, we're kind of on the tipping point here where we're going to be able to get a lot more technology for small businesses and, you know, consolidated platforms. Um, that help them be more efficient. So yeah. who knows where it's going to go? But Absolutely. I think it's, again, you know, looking at who the leaders are and taking cues from, you know, who the big guys are picking and can you afford it. I mean, I know here, you know, we changed. We added some new CRM software here that unified everybody's sales efforts and tracking clients and where they are and leads. For us, it's been a game changer. Yeah, so, and I think you, you're you making... know, stuff that we used to do on a dry erase board is now, you know, living yeah. in the cloud. And it, it's, I mean, 
you mentioned it briefly of how like more and more options coming out. It's, it's becoming more and more affordable, and it's really exciting because it's really starting to help you know level the playing field for the small restaurant, the individual, you know, the indie restaurant owner who. Uh, can now afford these tools to be to plug in these systems and processes. So it is really cool to see what's happening out there, and it's it might be more affordable than you realize. So great stuff. Thanks for sharing all those resources with us and that knowledge. So all right, so those we're almost done. One more question um, that I have for you, and that's if you could like go back in time um, and give yourself one piece of business advice. Maybe I don't know when in time. Maybe when you were deciding to uh, open your, your own restaurant at that time that you threw $50,000 at something and it didn't work out. Like what one piece of advice would you give yourself now to help maybe prevent that from happening? You know, I'd say never underestimate your network. You know, you, you've got to be connected with people. You've got to be looking to people who have been successful and pick their brains and get them in your pocket. Mm. Uh, I know it's been a huge part of our success now is real food. But it's, you know, it's who you know, it's it's what you can learn from them, it's how they can contribute to your success, and obviously what you can do to help them. Um, so, you know, building that network of friends and supporters and resources, I think, is critical. All right, those are all the questions I had for you. Is there one question I could have asked you that would have added more value to this? No, man, this is great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I wrap up every episode by having my guests call somebody out. Who's the one restaurant professional, uh, an indie restaurant professional you admire and think would make a great guest mentor like yourself on the show? Steve Postal. Steve, Steve Postal, Postal over at Commonwealth, also known as Nookie. Uh, Steve Postal, all right. He's, he's such a piece of work, man. He's a, he's, a, he's a funny guy and he's a smart guy and in a real sense of self at what he's doing. So he's, he's, uh, he's a good guy. Steve. So, I mean, Nookie. but it's Boston. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> uh, Steve Nookie Postal. Uh, look out, man. I am coming after you. Uh, Ed, man, you've been incredible. Um, I guess I'll just give you an opportunity to let the folks at home know how they can connect with you. Maybe if they want to hire you on in the future, or maybe if they want to come work for you as an intern or whatever, um, and to surround themselves with people like you, like how can we connect? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, Real Food Consulting, realfoodconsulting.com is probably the best way to connect with us. And now we'll be enrolled on a division focusing on healthcare, assisted living, continuing care, creating a crossroads between hospitality and healthcare, you know, really understanding that food is so important to health and your welfare. And people, you know, granted, you know, as we say here in the office, so you can check that out at rfchealthcarehospitality.com. So, doing them running in tandem and leveraging a lot of experience besides that coin. Awesome. I love it. All right. If you guys want to check out any of the things we discussed in this episode, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Ed Doyle. I will have all the links to everything we discussed right there in the show notes. Ed, thank you so much for taking the time and energy to join us here on the show. There's no questioning, man. You are unstoppable. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate the opportunity, man. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Ed, you killed it, man. So precise with your answers. If you guys enjoyed this episode and you want more mentors like Ed, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. I will do everything humanly possible to get them on the show. And check out a list of all the past books and tools my guests have recommended throughout my over 126 episodes all right there www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash tools and slash books 
get on it. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I can't wait to put the next episode out there for you and for me. And uh, we will become unstoppable together. Until next time, peace out.